Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's here right now, that's in this right. moment. Instantly. Instantly. I mean, not, not as instantly, instantly as we have been. We've been more instant. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've absolutely been more instant. Yeah, but I mean, we did just watch... It's, it's oh, yeah. instant to us. Listen, we just watched it. Yeah. Series 5, Episode 5, Instant Take. Right. Uh, we apologize up front. You know, we were on a plane. Right. There was nothing to be done. There wasn't. And, you know, like, we've been out of town, and then our episode, like, disappeared, and, like, crazy times, people. It's been a really technologically fraught time for us. (laughs) It has been. But we're back in Oakland, our spiritual home, our own... Yeah, for, like, most of the year. Our own personal ripping. Yeah, it really is our own ripping. We're very glad to be here. We have a dressmaker. It's (laughs) fabulous. All right, so let's talk about this episode. Number one. And I think really number one in our hearts. Murdy. <laughs> yeah. Guys, man. I want to marry Murdy. Mm-hmm. Murdy is the real deal because, all right, check it. Okay. So like early on in the episode, Rosamond's come to town because of course she has. Right. Stirring shit up. Uh, so they're all, you know, hanging out and having tea or whatever. And Isabel's all like, who? I'm sorry. Violet right. is all like, oh, Isabel, what are you going to tell your suitor? And Cousin Isabel is totally cold as ice. And she's like, I'm not going to tell you before I tell him. Mm-hmm. So uh, Violet goes to Dr. Clarkson and yeah. is like, hey, why don't you come help me like defraud Murdy and, and prove that Murdy's like a medical dilettante. And it's this really interesting scene. It is. Because in this scene, she is talking to Clarkson about how she doesn't want Isabel to get married to a lord and live in a palace. Because once the glitter fades, then you're just, you know, a in lonely this, woman in a house with in a, a man. a drafty house. With a man you don't like. Yeah. And it's more Freudian than we think Baron Fellows and Neem, <laughs> Neem meant it to be. Yeah, but it's it is. Maggie their Smith s- brings the pathos. I mean, right. this is really like Maggie Smith well, and Smith. And it's what we were talking about that we feel like, like we don't even want to discount it because they do like they do have this unconscious way of of bringing forth these things, you know, because what Maggie Smith brought to it was in the text, exactly. Like, she, you know, is an actor, and she deepened it and brought her experience and everything. But, like, we don't even think they knew they were doing the things that they're doing half the time. We think they're quite dumb. Right. But, be that as it may... Right, so then... Dr. Clarkson is... Here's what I don't get. So Dr. Clarkson is convinced and he goes to luncheon mm-hmm. with Murdy and Isabel and Violet. And it's like, cause initially it seemed like Violet was trying to inflame some sort of passion in Dr. Clarkson for Isabel when right. they put that to bed years ago. Right. And so they have this whole conversation and Murdy actually is extremely well educated about medicine for a layperson. Mm-hmm. And so as they all go into luncheon, Spratt, quite put out right because her maid uh violet's maid is leaving and apparently she was his creature yeah which is all you know well, sort of strange like a successful thomas yeah yeah Baxter yeah situation sure anyway so they're going into luncheon 
And, you know, Isabel's perfectly affable toward Murdy or whatever. And so mm-hmm. on the way in, Violet's like, oh, he, like, really seems like he knows what he's doing. And Dr. Clarkson's like, yeah, he seems, like, legit. Yeah. Well, I don't even think Clarkson was necessarily on board with Maggie Smith. He's just like, hey, I haven't had to treat a patient in, like, five years. Yeah. Like, I'll show up also, for lunch, whatever. Free lunch, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm really, I'm really finding myself Team Murdabell. Yeah. Like, I no, well, think, honestly, look, this woman has been a widow for a really long time. Right. And then her jerk son died. <laughs> yeah. And now, what? She's a grandmother. She doesn't have any whores to institute. Yeah. Like, well, she and she's settled in. Well, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, because it is fair to say that, as sort of what Maggie Smith was saying, that she's sort of, she's lost her meddling. Right. She has, well, and she doesn't want her to not be middle class. Right. And, and Maggie Smith's problem is that she's like, oh, we've made her too much like us. Right. But like, is but, that a bad thing for Isabel? It, like, well, she's yeah. old, man. Yeah. No, but I, I just think it's like this whole thing is just great dialogue and interesting characters and good acting among four old people. It's fantastic. That you just never see old people. I mean, especially in American Especially television. in I mean, America. People, people make fun of the Golden Girls. We've made fun of the Golden Girls I as imagine recently we have. as last week. Okay. But, like, you don't see older people living lives that are rich right. and worthwhile. And that's incorrect. Yeah. Because whoever you are, wherever you are, your life is rich. Right. And we are seeing that on Downton Abbey. Yeah. And that is why it's a worldwide phenomenon. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, anyway, and, and Murdy is just a charming motherfucker. Listen, I'd leave you for Murdy <laughs> in a second. And it happens. <laughs> like, I'd do it. I'd be like, Murdy. I don't know anything about medicine, but let's do this. I want your mom's parlor. <laughs> anyway, all right. Number two, out of Foxing Lane Fox. All mm. right. Mary was barely in this episode, which right. makes me think Michelle Dockery was shooting a bit part in some movie this week. <laughs> but she has chosen to go to London and to not see Gilly. Tony Gilliam. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Gilly. Right. Like, we're all pretty much over Gilly at this point. Yeah. I feel like we can... Well, we can't. But I mean, I'm honestly, assuming we're not going to see him again. Is anyone Team Gilly? Cousins, I'm being very serious. Oh, yeah. Are you Team Gilly? Because you know. at, we're very curious. Like, what are his, you know, what what is it about well, Gilly? Well, and I don't think it's a completely indefensible point of view. Just we don't feel that way. And clearly Mary doesn't either. No. So she goes to meet uh, Charles Blake for lunch. And right. And he says, oh, I've got a surprise guest for you. And who should it be but Miss Lane Fox. Miss Lane Fox. Miss Mabel Lane Fox, who we desperately want to have her own spinoff. Yeah. Like, possibly called out foxing Miss Lane Fox. <laughs> yeah, or Lane Fox of Fox Lane. Yeah, any of these spinoffs would be yeah, great. Yeah, because she's had about 45 seconds of screen time, and fantastic. Like, American cinema and British. Why is that girl not in everything? Because yeah. she's got more charisma than the entire cast of Downton Abbey in yeah. one insouciant glare. Well, and it's so, it's such a, like low temperature like not frigid but just like not like she's not jumping off the screen she's just so like it's phenomenal yeah it's really great yeah anyway so he's brought them together because somehow he knows about mary not liking tony gilliam's penis right i think it came up but whatever anyway I bet it did. Uh, so he's like, oh, no. Like, he's like, Lane Fox, just take Tony Gilliam, and then I'll bang Mary. I mean, that's the subtext. They don't even say that. Right. But but Miss yeah. Lane Fox is very self-possessed. She's like, okay, you're saying I should take Mary Crawley's leavings. Yeah. 
And she's saying, listen, I was already engaged to this motherfucker. Yeah. And Mary Crawley crooked her little finger and he threw me over. Right. And I don't deserve that. Yeah. And she bounces. She does. And listen, again, I no longer care about the sizzling sexual attraction <laughs> between Charles Blake and Mary Crawley. Right. I just want to know. Yeah. What happens to Miss Lane Fox? Right. We demand answers. She is extremely uh, captivating. She is. We like her a lot. Yeah. Anyway, good scene. This episode was weird. It was a weird episode. It didn't it was break down into... It was up with a lot of things, and they yeah. didn't seem to have any them- thematic, you know, thing. Right, which is fine, but it was. it's harder for us to do an instant take on. So, Miss Bunting leaves for reasons that are unclear. Well, she gets another job. But basically, no, I mean, basically, Branson's is like, uh, you pissed off Lord Grantham... So you can't come back to our house anymore, so there's no point in our relationship anymore. And she's like, well, I guess I'll take this job in Lancashire then, you weirdo. I, and, that's fair. I wish her well. Yeah, and well, and I do too. And it was, you know, it's funny. We do wish her well, even though she's the homely liberal and we don't like her. Yeah, we don't like the homely liberal. But it really is kind of bullshit the way she got shoved out. Because, I mean, again, when, you know, when... Branson was the Miss Bunting and Sybil was the Branson. She didn't just be like, oh, you made my dad mad, so don't ever show up again. No, she pushed through it. Yeah, she you know? sure did. But when Branson's in the same situation, he's like, oh, maybe we he shouldn't just. A, he doesn't know how to speak the truth to power. Yeah. Well, because Lord Grantham like takes him aside in cocktails and is like, oh, well, you've learned both sides. Blah, 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 blah. Right. And it's like, and you haven't, Lord Grantham, so fuck off. He's very much on his own side. Yeah. Which we'll get to later. Yeah. Anyway, Miss Bunting leaves possibly for, I don't know, things feel very much more permeable now. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not like sure. I show used well, to and commit the to best, putting people on a bus. The best thing about this was Daisy going up to Branson and being like, fuck you, Branson. Yeah. We're the past, or we're the future, they're the past. You should, like, be on our side. Yeah. And it was great. And I love Daisy. Look, Daisy's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> Pig baby! <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, Rosamond is there because right. Mary mentioned that Edith had this interest in a pig farmer's daughter. Right. Again, I can't express to you how much Mary was not in this episode. Yeah, I know. I was like, when did this happen? <laughs> So Edith, being the genius that she is, having been told not to go to the pig farm, is like, oh, I'm going to bring my ostentatiously dressed aunt to this pig farm. Well, to be fair, that was Rosamond's idea. Yeah, and yet still. Look, Rosamond touched a baby and the baby started screaming. (laughs) Yes, which was great. And then Mrs. Drew is like, I'm so fucking sick of this. She just wants to take our baby as like a play thing, Mm -hmm. possibly because she keeps coming around and playing with their baby. Yeah. Like, I am so team Mrs. Drew on this one. Look, I can't even tell you. Mr. Drew has done his wife a great disservice. Because you know what? What fucking harm would it have done? Mm -hmm. What fucking harm would it have done for him to be like, oh, P.S. Mrs. Drew, this baby of this friend of mine? Like, is actually Edith Crawley's, and she would really like to be involved in his upbringing, and it's like, let's all set boundaries and, like, be, right. like, smart about this, like, adults. Because it's very possible, like, either Mrs. Drew would have been okay with it, probably, or she wouldn't have, in which case you'd be no worse off than you are right now. Exactly. You'd be better off than you are now. But he didn't trust his spouse. Yeah. He didn't trust his spouse, and if there's something that we can't get behind, it's not trusting your spouse. Yeah. 
communication people. Like if, whatever if relationships your you're in. Your spouse and you don't trust your spouse. Why are you spouses? Right. Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, even in Edwardian times. Yeah. Come on. Honestly, we're all dumb humans. Yeah. Like we can't have evolved that much. Right. Well, I mean, even in Edwardian times, even when like. This is post-Edwardian. Well, right. But, like, I mean, regardless of what the issues are, like, even if it's just an arranged society marriage, you still got to keep communication levels up. Yeah, you got to be on board. Right. Anyway, uh... So, yeah. The resolution of that is that Maggie Smith, like, beats it out of Rosamond what's going on, and then he's like, oh, we're going to pull the baby out of the pig farm and send her to a boarding school. In France. Which... And where Edith can maybe go visit her. And I'm like, I don't understand how any of this is helpful to that baby. Right. Just let that baby live life with the Druze. They know pigs and their ways. She'll make a living somehow. And, like, let it go, man. I'm so mad. Yeah. I'm very irritated with this. No, because Edith is not that baby. You know what? Edith is not that baby's mother anymore. Mrs. Drew is that baby's mother. I know. Damn it. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And I just, you know, I also will say, yes. I think this is probably a pretty accurate portrayal of the kind of self-involved unwed mother narrative that unfolded and continues to unfold Yes, everywhere. You know, none of it seemed anachronistic or unbelievable no. to me. I'll, I, I agree with that. Anyway, we're just angry on behalf of that baby. We are. Which has already been saddled with a terrible fucking name. Right. And like, frightened what are you, to death. A Rufus Wainwright song <laughs> by Lady Rosman. Right, Lady Rosman. I wouldn't want to meet her now. No, she's like a scary clown no, to a baby. She was like she was like, oh, I hope you remember your friend Rosamond. <laughs> it's like, oh, what did you actually do? Right, I stood next to you for five seconds that time. Surely you'll always remember. Ugh, terrible. I was Bricker wearing Gate. a fancy hat. Oh, Brickergate. Okay. Okay. Listen, to y'all. Yes. Okay. So Lord Grantham has to go do some post-war bullshit. Right. Some Lord Lieutenant's shit. And McGee has invited Lord Bricker. Mr. Bricker? We'll just call him Bricker. I think Bricker. he's Mr. Bricker. I, I don't think he's a lord. So she's invited him because he wants to photograph the painting. To put in his book yes, about Della Francesca. Great. And she says yeah. it'll increase the value of the painting. Right. Which is honestly a, a more helpful financial contribution to the estate <laughs> of Downton than Lord Grantham has literally ever made. That is true. So Lord Grantham is like, well, I won't be here. And Cora's like, well, you don't like him, so get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So he does, and Lord Bricker shows up and is charming and wonderful. Right. But at the end of the day, yes, when Baxter has gone away, mm-hmm. Mr. Bricker has been lying in wait, and he goes into Cora's room and is like, let's bone. Right. And she is like, I'm asking you to leave yeah. because I am McGee, yeah, and I do everything very properly. Yeah. And he is like, nah, dude, let's bone. Uh, unbeknownst to everyone, mm-hmm. Lord Grantham's dinner has ended early and he's come back to surprise his wife yet again because that goes so well every time. <laughs> right. Anyway, he walks into his room and Carson's like, oh, Baxter just left her room. She's still awake. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfectly SOP. Right. Like, no yeah. reason to think anything's amiss. Yeah. He gets in there and Bricker's there and he's like, what? Yeah. And like Cora's like I didn't ask him here well, and, and to his credit right. Bricker is like I am not here at your wife's invitation right that's I the first thing in. he says yeah you know he's older he understands the rules right. anyway so then Lord Grantham backhands him mm-hmm. and starts wailing on him and then Edith right. just happens to be 
walking by. Well, I mean, we have no idea where anybody's room is in relation we to have anybody. No idea. But also, she's like, <laughs> like, and it just struck me as so like. Oh, cause then, cause then Cora's like, oh, your father and I were just playing a game. And it's and I'm like, like, who plays games? And I was like, is this what you told her when you were conceiving Sybil? Like, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, uh, right. Bricker gets kicked out. Yeah. And then Lord Grantham says he's going to go sleep in his dressing room. Right. Which, don't you have your own bedroom? No, like he slept in his dressing room before in I know, previous marriages. Shouldn't he have his own bedroom? It's apparently if they're keeping up appearances. This I don't is know. their setup. Anyway, this is what they do. Uh, I mean, I understand going off and sleeping in his dressing room, but right? He shouldn't have used that tone. Well, he shouldn't have, and I, I thought it was going to get resolved more in this episode, and I'm interested to see how it comes out because it. I'm just interested to see exactly how it comes Look, out and how, cause he's like kind of pissy about it, but I kind of get the sense that he knows that Cora wasn't really gonna do anything. Yeah. So, I'm interested. And yet still, the sexual attention between Cora and Bricker. Oh, it was. Like, it is better than the Lady Mary Charles Blake sexual it attention. It is. That which, was, as you will recall, is hot. Yeah. That was, no. Lady, uh, These uh Cora are and Bricker. Middle aged people doing it. Cora and Bricker was the most sexual tension there has been on this show. It's hot. Yeah. This is the season of McGee, y'all. Yeah. Listen. No, and I was thinking... We've been lovingly making fun of her for low these many years, and now she's coming into her own, and I, I genuinely wish Sadie and the Hotheads was coming to the West Coast. I wish that, too. And... I would go. You were saying how there's so little Mary in this episode, but I was seeing so much of Mary's mother in McGee, like, in this episode, a lot of... In a lot of her, like... Just a lot of like, you know, like shutting people down well, and, and look, talking. And that's you know. really fascinating because we have not been encouraged in this series to see Mary as McGee's daughter. Right. And if that's where we're going, I'm super down. Look, yeah. Yeah. More Brickergate. Yeah. Like, let's keep this going. Yeah. Because like Lord Grantham's going to be a buffoon no matter what happens. Right. Speaking of which. Okay. Mrs. Patmore's inheritance. Right. So Mrs. Patmore got some money. And she wants to ask Carson what to do with the money for Even some she reason. she doesn't actually, because Mrs. Hughes immediately is like, oh, well, why don't you ask Mr. Branson? <laughs> right. Because, you know, he's in society. Yeah. And Carson's like, well, why is he in society? And I am not in society. And it's right. this whole bullshit It's this thing. whole, you know, the standard Carson plot line. Although it's interesting because they talk about they have a great line, mm-hmm. right, later. Because he gives his advice because uh, uh, Grant, Lord Grantham is looking at building some buildings and he's going to use this one firm maybe. And so Carson's like, oh, you should invest in this one firm, which on the one hand is potentially brilliant like insider trading. But, but it's on the Lord other, Grantham. yeah, it's Lord Grantham. So it's going to be a grand Canadian well, trunkadelic. And then we get Mrs. Patmore saying to Mrs. Hughes that she thought she should ask Mr. Carson because he's a man. And they both have like a very like proto feminist conversation about right. whether or not that's a good idea. And Mrs. Patmore says she just doesn't want to hurt his feelings. And Mrs. Patmore says... Mrs. Hughes. Mrs. Hughes says, I wish men worried about our feelings a quarter of what we worry about theirs, which, like, literally ripped my heart and my uterus out. It was... Put them back in in the wrong order. (laughs) No, I mean, look, that's honestly... You're a man. 
That's exactly how we feel all the time. No, and I absolutely understand. That's exactly how women feel all the time because women are constantly gauging whether what they do is acceptable to men. Right. And men never think about whether what they're doing is acceptable to women. Right. And what to me makes it even more poignant is that of all the Carson plot lines, to me, this is the one that he would be the least bothered about because he knows that he doesn't really know this stuff. I agree. But they, but, but because of the relationship, you turned it back into a man issue. There's a man and a woman in this podcast, Kelly. I don't know what to tell you. I'm saying it makes it even more poignant that they're worrying about how he feels in this case, even though it does, like, even though in most cases he would be super entitled and bitchy about almost anything. This is one of the few times when they really could, with no consequences, not worry about how he feels. But then later. And yet they're still weary. When? No. When? When they do, because they present, they have already pre-planned this whole little charade to like butter him up is they don't just present it to him that she's decided to do something else right he never gets a chance to react in that scene uh, because they've decided and you know yeah but logically, he was upset you're missing the potent upsetness that he had in the very no, beginning of that we're look we're he's gonna, like that's not what i said no 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 we're gonna we'll cover the scene in more detail when we come back to it because I think that you're misinterpreting what happens in that scene. I think I need to listen to some Whitney Houston and then punch you in the face. Well, that's fine. Great. That's fine. Good lord. This got tense. Uh listen, Tom, I love you. You're my husband, but you're wrong about many things. Wrong about many things, yes. You know who else is wrong about many things? Everyone. Not me. No, you're wrong about many things. Nah, dude, I'm great. <laughs> you are great. I didn't say you're not great. Uh, I'm great and always right. <laughs> That's my thing. The problem of Thomas. Uh, what the fuck? We're not going to spend time on this. Right, he's right. taking some anti-gay he- like heroin cure. Right. And it's very boring. Yeah. It's very boring and the makeup job isn't that good. Yeah, there was like one moment in this where, because he's just kind of like being a dick about the murder prison thing yeah. ongoing and mr bates is like why are you pesting her about it and he's like because i feel like it and there was like this one brief shining moment of the old thomas that's just like a dick for no reason and because he enjoys being a dick but the rest of it is just him being wan like who knows we're not going to talk baxter v molesley this is like a i can't even believe there's a full number on my TikTok. <laughs> right so Molesley's like, why didn't you tell me what happened? And so I guess she eventually tells them what happened, and then just, they're boring and old. Yeah. Like, they're the opposite of McGee and fucking Bricker. They're the opposite like, of everybody. They're so uninteresting. They're so and, uninteresting. Yeah. And it's like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, Russian Jew. Yeah, okay. Oh, right. Now okay, we're talking. Now we're talking. Yes. See, here's the real problem. All the interesting plots have moved upstairs. Yeah. No, that's true. All of the yeah, interesting plots have moved upstairs. That really is the problem. Except maybe for Daisy getting tutored, and now that's kind of been cut off at the knees. Right. So. And I mean, that's not even interesting so much as pleasant. Yeah. Anyway, so Rose is in the rain. Right. And she meets a strapping young lad who's like, oh, I'll hold your baskets. Yeah. And you put your umbrella up, and so they do that, and then uh, they get into a meet cute. Yeah. It's very meat cutie. It is, certainly. And, well, we've just had, you know, Rose telling Shrimpy, who was mentioned earlier. Oh, because Shrimpy might have found the princess... Kragen. 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 I got it right. There you go. Good I job. I did get it right. Yes. Uh, anyway, Shrimpy may have found the princess Kragen, but, like, 
whatever. Right. No one actually cares. Right. Um, but Rose is telling this because she's going to another sweet shop and he's like, oh, you really have a sweet tooth. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I have this tea that I give for these Russians. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm Russian. And they get to talking and she's like, oh, come for the tea. And he's like, all right, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so he does later come for the tea and she's there with that pedantic Jew, pedantic Russian. Right. And then Prince Kaga Kuragagan. Right. I Abby. had it I had it before. Right. Uh so she's like, Oh yeah, he left, you know, his family left Odessa in eighteen fifty nine and then blah 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 in eighteen seventy one. Then one guy flips out, he's like, They were not Russians. Yeah. And he storms out. Prince Kagayan also does. And then she's like, Why would they do that? And he's like, Oh, PS for Jewish. Yeah. And she's like, Well, that's ridiculous. And it's actually really sweet. It is. Because she's like, well, you're English now and you're doing very well and you're still Jewish. Like, yeah. No, the whole thing was very nice. And I mean, you know, just. I did a terrible job of recapping. No, you did. And that's, it's the instant take. (laughs) I know. Right. This is, this is what you get, everyone. But this was one of our favorite parts of the episode. And, and all the four parts of it, this guy, Rose, uh, the guy that played Avi, who was trying to get the other guy to calm down, yeah. and the other guy who was legitimately like, "No, I hate Jews. Fuck yeah. you." You know, because it was 1924. There's plenty of people that hated Jews and had no problem saying so. That's so weird. I know, I but think, it's look, reality. Here's what I'll say, I just don't get hating somebody just because of who they are or yeah. like where they came from. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I know. Anyway. Right. You know, so, we're not trying to be a, you know. There's a whole thing. This guy's going to work at his father's bank in London, mm-hmm. and Rose clearly has a boner for him. Oh, yeah. And I'm intrigued, because yeah. we've already got an, you know, interfaith marriage with, uh, you know, Mackel and Mr. Mackel. Right, in right. The past. So and Cora has some wisdom. And since they finally acknowledge that, yeah. like that may come and up. And it's it's well and Rose has already told Shrimpy. She's like, "Listen, dude. Right. You want to do this bullshit? I get to marry who I want." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Well, I can't say no." Yeah. Um yeah, but I like this. Well, and the the barrier between London and the uh, Downton has, you know, permeated in recent years. Right, and so right. I'm I'm reasonably optimistic. I mean, Rose obviously already has been doing it yeah. for years with a variety of people. Yeah. Yeah, and uh it's uh, apparently not common or not uncommon for people to go to London as we learn in our final plot today. Murder, Murder prison. prison. Look, which we're not really going to talk about, but there is a development that we have to mention, which is that apparently they're now looking at Anna as a suspect rather than Bates. Which someone pointed out, and I can't remember who it was. But good job, person. Um, We've also had Gilly entered as a suspect, oh. but I think that's a bit far. Well, I mean, once you interview the guy, they're going to be like, oh, he couldn't murder anybody. No. Well, because they saw Anna, like, snooping around there. Yeah, whoever yeah. Whoever did. But, but I don't even know what to think. I don't even I know don't, what to care. No. Like, uh, I also just want to point out... Like, remember when Bates was, like, being investigated the first time and everybody cared? And, like, now just, like, the police are a permanent fixture. Right. And nobody even cares. Right. Like, nobody even gives a shit. No, they don't. And for the first time, I wish things were how they were before the war. (laughs) Yeah. But we're we're loving this season, generally speaking. Yeah. 
and we for had no particular reason well that's the discussion we had nobody's talking about before the war anymore they all admit that it's now after the war and yeah, they're just living true. it and people have extramarital affairs and you know like meet russian jews and just like live their lives and, yeah, and steal babies and whatnot <laughs> right all right so yeah so that's the end of this episode yeah i can't wait till the next one me neither it's so great i'm raring to go guys it's such a good show yeah that's why we have this whole podcast <laughs> it is it's absurd yeah also isis oh yeah all ISIS over the place is, uh, seriously i want to say we've had an effect on this i want to say that too i really want to say it's that. probably not true but it's listen hey not. neem don't hold out on us yeah neem we're on your wavelength neem yeah like we won't say anything right about anything to anyone we're cool we are very cool we have listeners across the globe. <laughs> like, just tell us, because we were Team ISIS before it was cool. That's right. Anyway. All right. Until next time. Up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>